three mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. This is episode 84. I'm Tracy Prophet. I'm Ruth Urquiaga. And I'm Jay Prophet. And Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome back. And today we are going to, we have two things on the on the plan. One, we're going to do a little reflecting and looking forward, since that's what you do at the beginning of a new year, right? And then um, at the, the second half of our podcast, we're going to talk about uh, recent workshops that we took through Grassroots Workshop and just tell you a little bit about those. Yes. So um, on our run yesterday, <laughs> Ruth and I were trying to think through how could we reflect last year We on the podcast we did something we want to have more of, less of, and stay the same, and we didn't want to do the same. So we Ruth had di- did a little reflection in her class based on the digits in 2021. So we edited that a little bit, and we're going to each share two things that we tried in the past year. Uh, for the zero, we, this was hard to think of, but we're going to share something that we want to take out of our practice or leave behind. That's with the zero, yeah. Um, for the second two, we're going to think of two things we want to try in 2021. And then the one is going to stand for our one word, you know, how people kind of do that in their life. We're going to do it for teaching and math and all that kind of stuff. So who wants to go first, friends? We didn't discuss this before we... Right. Started. So I will go first. Okay. Um, I do have to like just say how yes, this is a new year, but then you're also just right in the middle of your year. Yeah. So when you teach, I don't know. I've often thought like if the school year could go from January to December, it wouldn't be hard to figure out how many years you've taught <laughs> <laughs> or how old the kids were when you had like what year did you teach them. Anyways, so we're kind of right in the middle of the year. So some of these things, yeah, it's good to make changes in the middle of a student's year. Um, for me, two things that I've tried. Um, I am teaching face-to-face. So this is the first time that I haven't been able to utilize groups. So teaching them six feet apart and sanitizing all the manipulatives we use really makes me think about exactly how many manipulatives each child is going to need so they can fit in the bottom of the tub and I can spray them with my sanitizing spray. No more just like open it up and, you know, go get however many you want. Yeah. It's just been a little bit different. But I've still been able to use manipulatives because I feel like it's so, so important. And then something else that I've done a little bit more this year is having the students um, analyze mistakes and um, really triumphing how mistakes that you make help your brain grow instead of, you know, downplaying them or, oh, that's a mistake, fix it. Like, let's talk about it and look how proud I am of you because you were able to find your mistake and then you were able to fix it. Um, my zero for something that I would like to take out of my practice. I have to tell you, I did this in class, and I'm going to say 97% of my students wanted to take out COVID. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But for me, we've really, we've talked about this before, but just the way that we talk about grouping kids 
and the students that are high and the students that are low and um, just to get away from using those words. I feel like I'm kind of headed down that path, but I just kind of need a reminder to continue to do that. So my two new things, clothesline math, which I will talk about in a little bit, and then mathagon.org. Every time we talk about it on the podcast, I'm like, I have got to check that out. And (laughs) here I am again saying, I have got to check that out. So (laughs) maybe this is a little bit of accountability for me to actually get on there and um, see what's there. And then my word is daily. And for me, I feel like anytime I make a New Year's resolution and I don't succeed the second or the third day of the year, then I'm like, eh, I didn't do it, so it's gone. And so my word is just daily. If I can do it, just get through today and then worry about it again tomorrow instead of this um, long pressing goal of I have to do this every day for 365 days. Yeah. So whether it's greeting a child or, you know, asking a specific question about their home life, that's really something I've been trying to do is just pick a student and ask a personal question to let them know how much I care about them. Because it is, I don't know, when when I did this 2021 in class, I realized really just how, I don't want to say scared, but just concerned these 11-year-olds are with the state of the world. Yeah. It's, you know, they're just carrying big burdens that I definitely did not carry when I was 11, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's cool that about the, um, the, rem- the remove, was was that the one where you said the, the talking about kids with low and high? Yes. It, um, just yesterday we were talking about that at my school. Um, we meet for this group called Dragons of Change, which is like sort of our anti-racist group learning together. And that's what we decided to talk about next time that we meet next next week. Um, And, you know, it's definitely low and high kids is is language that's used all the time at school. So this is going to be new for our teachers to hear about like how detrimental that is. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to the conversation. (laughs) It's going to be hard, Um, but I'm excited about hopefully making that little culture shift in our right. in our building or just even making them aware i mean for me i've taught for 25 years and so that's just been part of my vocabulary but yeah i've reached the point now like when i say it there's a ooh how Oops. should i say that differently you know yeah where before yeah. it was i never even felt any kind of tinge of yeah guilt so yeah that's good yeah Jay, do you want to go second or third? I'll go. Okay. So under my two things I tried, I now have a list of about five things. So <laughs> so it's fifty twenty one. So, so I tried to, you know, trying to weed out down one um, that hit me was you know, and I'm going to phrase it, call it being okay with moving everything online. Um, you know, I've always been somebody who is you know more more uh, of a technological lean i want to try stuff i'm an early adopter of a lot of technologies a lot of things online but meeting with people i always wanted to do that in person i'm a people person i like talking to people i don't like communicating through emails i don't like you know i want to i want to sit in the room with you and talk to you about something um and when that stopped being plausible that stopped being something we could do um 
or let's back up before, you know, everybody had to go to their own rooms and shut the door. We, people would say, well, let me, let me call into the meeting or something. I'm like, no, why don't you just walk over here? I'm, you know, our campus isn't big. Come on over to my room and, you know, we'll talk or I'll come over there. I just hated the, the bear, not the barrier, but the, just one extra hurdle of, um, doing stuff and people being on an online meeting. See, that's um, funny because you didn't even want to be in this picture so I could see you when you were talking. <laughs> and now you're well, telling me that you want to just do it face-to-face. I couldn't even see your face. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess maybe this is a, a little different. But I always – I just didn't – I wanted to I wanted to meet somebody. I didn't want – I didn't want to do a phone call. I wanted to sit and talk to you. Um, and over the past several years at work, we have um, – we have uh, one part of our campus that is physically separated from our campus, but it's, I mean, it's, you know, it, you can see it from there. It's not like they're, right. you know, it's somewhere completely campus. different, but it's a lot of, it's not, you know, in the ring of the Dell where everybody walks around and can see the buildings. And, you know, some people from that campus, you know, we're connecting, a lot of them like to come over, I think, just to get out of their little worlds, but um we had some people that were connecting, you know, they were really tight meetings and connected online. And I was like, okay. And then we also have some faculty that teach remotely that aren't even in Lynchburg. And so, you know, I, I, I didn't love that, but it was, you know, we had to be okay with it for things to work. Um, and then all of a sudden everybody had to be a virtual, nobody could be in the same room. Um, and you know, I, I didn't want, I wasn't trying to buck the system, but I just didn't love it. Um, but I've decided to be okay with it and I'm trying to embrace it. And now, like, now I want to do it for everything. Like, you know, <laughs> let's, let me go on a call with you and, and talk to you about this when they just want to send an email. And I guess it's my, my way of being okay with, with this virtual connection because it's, it's what I have. It's, it's my way of sitting in a room with you and talking to you. You know, that's the only way I can do it right now. And it, so it also helps that he has like, the sweetest camera, the sweetest <laughs> microphone, the sweetest background, all the things. His, well, his, make his online setup is awesome. I'm going to make it as close to, to talking to you in real time as I can. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing how this is, is helpful. And I think, you know, I think everywhere this will be used more to be more efficient. Um, yeah. And I'm going to be okay with that. And so my other one is really not deep or has anything to do with teaching or, or professional work. Okay. Okay. Um, I have photographed some ultra marathons this year, and that's not something I've really done in the past cool. or tried to wrap my brain around ultra marathons. And um, Ruth was there for, for one of them, and I, you know, she was helping Tracy run, and I was running all over the wilderness <laughs> trying to take pictures of people. And then, and your pictures in the again. dark um, turned out so good. I, yeah. You know, they, they, sometimes you make, you figure out how to make it work. Um, and that was, so I started that my, the, I tried the first one was back in February. And then the second one was just, um, at the beginning of December, which let me tell you, when you are photographing an ultra marathon, it's not hard to be away from everybody and to be distant and to not, it's not like there's a, a big crowd or pack right. of people. You can be in the woods and be socially distant. Even before it was cool, I was socially distant for that whole race <laughs> in February. So those are things I tried this year. Um, things I want to take out the zero are the terms synchronous and asynchronous. Um, these are words that 
I knew in the past because I deal with online education and that's, you know, I'm an instructional designer and, you know, that distinction of how you're going to present content to students. Um, and it was a word I knew. And, you know, if you sit down and look at the words, you can make sense of them. But people that was not in the, the people's normal vocabulary before, you know, everything went online back in March. Um, and so, you know, it's something that I, I knew the words, I used it some, and it was thrown around in a lot of, you know, articles for higher ed um, and how to teach asynchronously or how to teach synchronously. And I think right away it became um, not a crutch, but a barrier. Hmm. People are like, oh, well, this is an asynchronous course. I'm like, well, there's nothing wrong with having a class session and meeting with students in the evening if, you know, if they're available or. Or, well, no, this is only synchronous. We're not going to do any asynchronous work. And I'm like, well, you mean you never did asynchronous work before, like homework? Students go home and work on their own and then turn it in? And people just got hung up on this is synchronous or this is asynchronous, and I can't do the other one because this is what I said, and it's ridiculous. And I, I'm done with those two terms. Let's <laughs> just call it I'm teaching the kids, and I'm teaching the students, and this is what they need, and so this is what I'm going to do. So you feel strongly about that. <laughs> It just it just got to be such a hang up with yeah. people. Yeah. It's like putting putting the teaching in a box and, and not being willing to step even your big toe outside of it. Yeah. Right. Or, or people like, well, I'm not, I'm, I don't do asynchronous. I only I can only teach people in li- real time. And that's why I say, so you, you never gave homework? Well, yeah, I gave homework. So like, what do you think that was? That was asynchronous work. I mean, mm. anyway, so that's <laughs> I'm done with those terms. Note to and self, don't say those words around Well, it's, it's, I guess it's okay to say this assignment is, is gotcha. we're doing this together or we're doing this. But yeah. when you say, I'm teaching synchronously or, oh, this is, an, this is an asynchronous course and use that to block out other stuff or, or not, not try something. So things I want to try for this year. So the second two, mm-hmm. is that right? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yep. Um, I am working with and creating other podcasts. Whoop, whoop. Sorry, guys, I'm not leaving you. I'm just trying some other ones. Um, Ruth, I, don't think I did not this. know this. No, I don't think so. As long as we are always your favorite, we can let you. Yes, okay. you're always my favorite. Yeah. And, priority. And the priority. <laughs> and I think being that I uh, live in the same house and I'm married to this podcast, <laughs> I think that will always be the case. That's um, awesome. But I had... Uh, an, another person who she is an ultra marathon runner and we, you know, I guess a, a year or so ago, um, we started following each other on Facebook because she had taken some photos at a race and she had seen some of my photos at a race. And it was one of those things where I knew who she was and she knew who I was, but we, you know, they were just like, there's a lot of people I know on Facebook, not because I'm friends with them and hanging out on the weekend, but because they've seen pictures I've taken or they, you know, and we you have an like asynchronous that. relationship um, with them. I, yeah, you could say that, <laughs> but well. I don't, I don't put it in a box and only, you know, I've talked to her, in, I've talked to her in real time a few times. Um, and then after that race, I told you about in February, she contacted me and said she wanted to use photographs from that in a magazine. Somebody, another friend of ours was writing a race report. And she wanted to use my photographs for that story. And so that's sure we, you know, I recorded, she has a podcast as well. And so I recorded an episode on her podcast. Um, and then, you know, about a month or so ago, she was looking for somebody to 
take over production of her podcast. It was more than she could handle, and she really wanted to step up the quality of what she was doing. That is awesome. Um, so I have, yeah. So I have kind of taken on some producing, uh, you know, the the producing role in that, and we're still trying to iron out. She's making some other changes in her brand, and so it's not just smooth. I didn't just pick up the football and start running. We're you know we're having to make some plans and and figure things well, out. Well, if you need some alliteration along. or and something, then, Tracy and I can do that for you. <laughs> some alliteration yeah Ruth's real good at that yeah um so i picked that one up and then i've come up with an idea of my own and i'm starting another one with some friends from high school and that one's still pretty vague but it's in it's in the 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 brain the brain stage cool. awesome so before long i'll have maybe two more of these yes. things going on i'll have to keep track of you know notes and what i'm supposed to talk about in which podcast yeah um, so that's, that's, well, that was a long, that was a long one thing in my second two. The other one is, uh, and this is back into my professional world is doing something between meetings. Um, I am not in charge, but like run meetings for a couple of uh, committees or groups at, at work. And it seems like one of the things that bothers me is we get to a meeting, we have the stuff to talk about. And at the end we walk away and we've talked, but we haven't really set up what we're going to do before the next one. Um, it's like we just keep talking about things and then the action doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I think that's my fault. Sometimes probably a little over half. I think it's not. Um, and it just seems like we have great intentions. We have great plans. We have great things we've talked about. And then, oh, well, next week we'll, we'll pick that back up or next month or whatever it is. And I really feel like a lot of things don't happen that could have because nobody takes takes on and does something between the next one so one of the one of the groups i'm in a a group at at work and i'm not in charge of this this um group of people at all but i have tried to step up and make sure that i'm there's some action that i can take before the next meeting and so the last several meetings i've said okay you know let me let me do that i'll do that and get back to you next next time with what we've done. And I did again, I had this met with this group yesterday and same thing. I was like, all right, so, you know, I, I did this first step. Um, I can get back in touch with these people and set up something. You know, I just want to make sure that there's something I'm doing between one and the next. It's not just, well, we'll get back and talk about the same thing for an hour next week. Um, and I, I'm trying to make sure that I'm doing that and hopefully I can convince others to do that as well. Or maybe they'll just see my example and go, Hmm. He's a go-getter. Unfortunately, probably, well, well, Jay will say it. Jay will do it if I don't say anything. Yeah, let him do it. Um, So that slides into my word, which is action. Um, I think we need, I think I need to, for myself and encourage in groups that I am in charge of, for there to be an action to take place and to happen before we meet again so that we don't just spin wheels and talk all all year long. Awesome. All right. I'm stepping off my podium, my soapbox thanks jay welcome ruth did you have anything you want to say before i jump into mine okay so one of the things that i've tried is three act tasks virtually um when we were when the pandemic first started i was in the middle of the empowered problem solving course with teachers from our school and we had just learned how to implement three act tasks and we were really excited about like okay we'll get to try it and then boom (laughs) now we're not together and it was a felt like a big blow um 
But at the same time, I saw an, a workshop with Teresa Wills, and basically she was showing how you could really effectively and efficiently do the same thing through um, Zoom, you know, or, or Google Meets or something. Um, and so I feel like that was such a good find, and it was right at the right time, and several of the teachers were like, okay, I can do this, and they tried it. We tried it with each other, and then they have since tried it with their students. Um, yesterday, I got to be participate with a third grade class doing a three-act task on Zoom. Um, we're back to all remote this week, um, and it was so good. Oh, I haven't told you about awesome. it yet, Ruth, um, but it was like she was doing the one um, – pretty sure it's a Graham Fletcher task where it's uh you see a pack of Oreos on the counter and then this like I think it's maybe called Cookie Monster you see this um puppet hand sort of grab the cookies you take think them. it's called Cookie Monster Yes, I think. Okay. Um, take it down off the shelf and you can like hear that they're eating some of them and then put it back. And so the the task is to figure out how many cookies were in the container and how many were eaten. Those are the two questions. Um, and I just, I was really pleased with how the teacher facilitated it. She, she did a number talk beforehand, which led really, really well into um, how they were going to show their work virtually, you know. Um, She modeled, like, recording their thinking on the number talk using the tools on slides, and then they kind of did the same thing when they met together. Um, And she asked, we've been asked not to do small uh, breakout groups alone, with like, or not leave kids unattended in breakout rooms. I, I know that some people do have permission to do that, but we do not have permission. So, um, myself and a, that's why myself and a, and a um, teacher assistant were joining her so that we could kind of be supervised a small a breakout room but we were really encouraged not to like lead it just be there to be an adult presence and so at first they all just sat there and looked at me I was like guys I'm not leading this you're leading this and I I was I mm-hmm. had to say a couple times okay, this is what I want you to do. These are the instructions, but I'm going to sit back and you have to lead it. And I like physically sat back, way back in my chair and turned my microphone off. Dack on if they didn't do it. These little precious third graders for the first time, I mean, they've done it in class, in person. They, they did it. They listened to each other. They shared their ideas. The girl recorded it. You know, they told her how to change what she was recording. It was it was beautiful. Wow. It was That's really, awesome. really cool. They had, you know, multiple ways to solve it. They disagreed and then they came to a conclusion. Like, holy moly. It was, it, it just made my whole day. So three act tasks virtually. Um, and we'll link the, in case you haven't watched it, which I don't know why you haven't, <laughs> we'll link that um, particular um, training with Teresa Wills, although she's doing them all over the place. But the one that I thought was so um, kind of opened it up for me. I'll put that in the show notes. The second thing that I tried this year is keeping a coaching log. Um, at the, This is my second year coaching. And the first year, I was just trying to kind of hold on <laughs> for dear life, right? But, um, you know, you kind of get kind of in this space of like, how are you going to prove that you're being effective or that you're necessary, that this position is necessary? Um, and the one of the ways I could think to do that was to kind of keep a record of what I was 
doing and trying. So it's it's literally just a Google document with the kind of set up in a table. And every day I record the, the major tasks that I've done. And it kind of helps me keep an idea of where my time is being spent, how often I'm doing something. Um, if I meet with a specific teacher, I put that teacher's initials in there. Um, I, I'm keeping track of the tasks that aren't coaching tasks too, because at the end of the year, I think I can kind of make some statements about this is how much of my time is really on coaching and this is how much of my time is other mm-hmm. random tasks that I've been assigned. Um, sometimes I don't do it right during that day. And so if I'm, you know, trying to catch up from a couple days or week even, I'll go back and look at emails that I sent as a record of the kinds of things that I've been working on or look at my calendar and record those things. But um, at the end of every year, we have to, as part of our evaluation, kind of say the professional development we've we've been a part of and, you know, committees we've been a part of. And like I've already used this coaching log to sort of start to fill that out. And, and, you know, you you get to the end of the year, like, what did I do this year? And this is a good, it's been a really good, simple way. Um, So to just keep track of what I'm doing. So I like that. Um, The thing that I want to remove from my practice, I would say is going into coaching situations with the approach that I have all the answers. <laughs> um, I feel like I I do that a lot. I'm like, I'm here to tell you all the things about fractions, you know, or Sit tight. everything you don't know about multiplication. Um, but that's really not what coaching is. Mm-hmm. Coaching is supposed to be getting teachers to do the reflecting, um, providing them the resources when they don't have them. But it's it should not be this like expert learner or expert and learner kind of relationship. And I, I just, I'm feeling a little bit like that's the same shift that teachers make. You know how like when you go into first learning to teach math, you're like, I know how to multiply. I'm going to teach you how to multiply. I'm going to show you over and over yeah, and over. Yeah, and, and it becomes you the expert giving it to the kid. Well, a good math teacher helps the kid pull it out of themselves, you know, like sets up the situation for them to do the discovery. I could, I need to move towards that as the coach too. So, um, I'm reading, I'm reading a book about that called the art of coaching, which leads into the next thing I want to try. <laughs> um, so one of the things I want to try in 2021 is just reading more. I spend a lot of time on my phone in the evenings, uh, and, and the weekends, just mindlessly scrolling Twitter. And in the mornings. Yeah. <laughs> and in the nights. Yeah. <laughs> and, and wasting time, you know. And I could, I'm reading in all of those instances or maybe watching videos, but a lot of times reading and I'm learning some things, but I'm also getting annoyed at, you know, reading kind of the same stuff over and over. So I really want to put my conscious effort into reading the books that I've bought that I haven't read yet um, and or asked people to buy me. Um, so I really am committed to reading more. And one of those books right now is called The Art of Coaching that I'm really liking. Um, and I'm going to keep a Twitter thread of all the books that I've read in 2021. I'm kind of excited about that. Um, You've been doing a pretty good job of reading so far. Thanks. I mean, some of it started in December. So but I'm yeah. going to count that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I, I feel what you were saying, Ruth, about like, 
getting why are you laughing at me already like i'm the scorekeeper of whether we do our two things or not <laughs> yeah but but like ruth said like um you know you get three days in you're like oh crap i didn't read tonight uh shoot forget that um, right but so, i don't, I don't want to maybe next year yeah <laughs> i don't have to wait 360 days to start reading again um my second one is hands down conversation which is a idea um i'm gonna butcher her name but um cassia Wedekin, something like that i'm sorry i messed up your name but um it's a, a she wrote a book with another um colleague of hers about hands down conversation which is where have we talked about this ruth we have not um which is where you get kids to literally have a conversation where they are running the conversation you are not running the conversation and they are you know having a natural um exchange of of ideas and conversation without you kind of teaching them to have a conversation where they don't have to raise their hand they just share when they want to share listen to each other respond to what they're saying um so she they wrote a book about it and you know poor timing then boom the pandemic happened and not like you can't do that on a in during a pandemic on zoom but it's pretty hard um and so i want to when we get back knock on wood when we get back to face to face that's one of the things i'd love to try with a teacher um, or with a group of kids is read that and and try facilitating that um and then my one word is permission and it's my word in in real life and probably in teaching um real life as in like outside of the classroom just (laughs) not not imaginary teaching this is the real teaching y'all just that like I find myself like, oh, I can't, I'm not allowed to do that. Well, hmm, you know, really evaluating whatever is the thing I tell myself I'm not allowed to do. And why do I think I'm not, why do I think I don't have permission to do that? And, and questioning what would happen if I, if I think this is the right thing to do, but I don't have permission and I go ahead and do it, what will happen? You know, evaluating the risks in a better way. I did that. I'm not going to give specifics. (laughs) I did that recently. Um, in a situation where I'm not sure if I had permission to do something, but it was the right thing to do. And so I, you know, we weighed the risks and I was like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Even if I didn't have quote unquote permission. So, so um, you just decided that asking forgiveness was better than asking permission. Yes. Yes, exactly. And maybe you or won't just, even have to ask forgiveness. Yeah. Or being able to justify my actions right. later, even if I don't ask for forgiveness later. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 can, say, I don't even know if she's going to ask forgiveness. I wouldn't in this particular. I'm being very vague. I'm sorry. Um, but and and then I think it, it can go over into the classroom. Like, you know how I, I see it with the same with teachers. They're like, oh, I can't do that. We're not allowed to change our time or we're not allowed to go outside of this script or outside. No, you try it. What's going to happen? You know, do what's best for your students um, and figure it out later. Um, That's not what's next in the book. Yeah, that kind of thing. Exactly. And then finally, and I think, I'm sorry, I'm just like your whole, the whole virtual learning thing. I mean, sometimes the kid on the other side of the line just needs to know that you care and they need to be able to talk about something other than fractions or what's on their agenda. And this is affecting them for the rest of their lives. I think we have to give ourselves permission as educators to to be there for them. Yeah. Go you know? off script. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's important for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, And then another part that I think is related to that is permission to do less sometimes, like to save some time in my schedule that's for me to get my things done or get my act together or, you know, um, just permission to sometimes be less. Did you see Howie Waugh? He tweeted, um, I think it was him, last week one day. It was like four things that teachers, like I absolutely can go home on Friday and not do any work until Monday morning when I come back. And I absolutely do not have to answer an email that you sent at 5 o'clock. I am allowed to sit on the couch and watch television with my family. Yeah. And teachers don't give themselves permission to do that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's a good lesson for all of the educators. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. And if you can do that when you're a new educator and kind of get into that groove, because sometimes when you're new, you feel like you have to do all the things all the time. Mm -hmm. And you don't. Yeah. Yep. So we would love to hear your two things you tried, something you want to leave behind, two things you want to try, and your one word if you want to. Um, post it on Twitter or leave us a comment or Facebook or whatever. We'd love to hear yours or or just, or even if you don't share it, just take a minute to see, think about what you would consider your 2021 thoughts. Okay. So Ruth, what's our transition? (laughs) (laughs) While we were, while we were running, we were talking about when you want to try new things, you have to be able to get out of, the rut and doing the same thing all the time. And you do that through professional development and you find that through Twitter. You find that through other educators. Right. What What's out there? What's out there that's good? Because let's face it, there's a lot of professional development that you really do waste your time on. Like, yeah. why did I watch this? Is this, you know, I just wasted this time. And so you have to be willing to say yes. And I feel like you and I do a good job of saying, yes, I'll go to that conference. Yes, I'll learn something new. Right. And so when Robert Kaplinsky reached out to us, um, it was before Christmas, like in the fall. Yeah. And said, hey, you know, are you willing to do some professional development? And so we, all three of us, got to choose a grassroots workshop and say, yes, I want to learn something new. And there was probably 10 or 12 that were available and we each chose one so that we could then share it with each other because that's also the perks of professional development. Um, You and I do that when we go to conferences together. As much as you want to sit beside the person that you're with, you benefit more if she goes to one and you go to one and you're able to share your takeaways. So that's kind of where we are today. Um, Each of us have done a virtual conference through grassroots workshop and we're going to just kind of share the takeaways what did we yeah. learn from it yeah exactly um thanks to grassroots workshop for giving us a absolutely a free access to one you know each one of us had access to each one um so let's go in the same order will you go first i will go tell first. about yours so i chose using clothesline math with Kristen acosta and it was very uh it was very well set up. So there are, she had a video that you watched and she knew that people's attention spans 
were good for about seven to eight minutes. And so her videos were um, not longer than that. She broke it up. So there were numerous videos because she did have a lot to share. And probably the best thing is that that what she talked about in the video, she then gives you access to on her website. So you go to her website and you look and doesn't look like you have to have signed up for her workshop. She just has some really good resources on her website, kristinacosta.com. And of course, you can find that in our show notes. So the way it was, was first of all, there was a what is closed line math, which is exactly what it sounds like. Um, She, you put ropes, and I've done this in my classroom, but you put a rope from one place to another, like across your board or on a wall Um, and the students are given cards and you put them in small groups and they order numbers. She has whole numbers. She has decimals. So she has fractions. She has algebra expressions. So her workshop really did go K-8, which a lot of times a workshop says it goes K-8 and somebody feels left out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But being a sixth grade teacher, there were definitely takeaways that I was able to do. So the student's going to go up to the clothesline and you are going to listen to their conversations. And probably this would be a really good place to practice hands down conversations because you don't Mm want to be the one who's going to say, well, this one looks kind of big. Where should you put it? You really want the students in the group to have conversations about it. And maybe your question is, can you prove it's right? What? How do you know that these are correct? So just those leading questions that don't really give them any, you know, a lot of times you can read a teacher's face and you know, oh, I got the wrong answer. I have to change it. But when you can ask a question <laughs> and the kid's like, is it right or wrong? Then you've done your job as a teacher because they are able to prove it. So, and I don't know, I guess my big takeaway from it was, When I have done it in the past, I've actually used clothespins and paper and the kids put them on. But her cards are cut out and you just fold them and the kids just, it's like a tent over top the clothesline. It's like novel. You don't have to have clothespins (laughs) and somebody's not pinching somebody's finger or chasing them around, you know, doing something (laughs) they shouldn't do with it. You're just... Or pin it to the back of somebody's shirt in front of them. And... When you have a clothesline and you're using a clothespin and something is equivalent, I showed them how to clip the cards and they hang down. And it's really easy for an adult, but 11-year-olds have a really hard time making the clothespins hold the cards and they fall on the floor. And in hers, you just put the tent over top. They're equivalent. Okay. So, cool. Yeah, it was, there were some really cool things. I would encourage you for sure to take her um, – look at her pictures on her website – And I'm getting ready to do equivalent fractions, decimals, and percents. And so we're going to actually do her clothesline math um, a little bit differently because of the whole six feet apart thing. But um, And I would also encourage you to look at Teresa Wells' book because she actually talks about doing clothesline math virtually, which I can't speak to a whole lot of because I haven't tried it. But um, I feel like with all of the educators in the, you know, in the country trying different things, you can find what you need. And we've said it before, but Twitter's a really good place to go there. So. Yep. Awesome. Thanks for Mm -hmm. sharing that. 
All right, Jay, tell us about yours. All right. Well, being that I'm not a math teacher every day, yep. um, it was, you know, I had, I came at it a little different direction. I wasn't looking for a new, um, you know, uh, not style of teaching. I wasn't looking for a new strategy for teaching. I wasn't, so I, I was going through and trying to find something that, you know, I could sit and, and listen and learn anything and report back, but it would be, I would have a better response and be better able to, you know, talk about it if it was something that, um, you know, that I could either use myself or, or something that, that was a little better connected to what I, what I do anyway. So, um, I picked the one, which was how to use Desmos activity builder and by Christelle Roca, Rocha, sorry. I don't know that I heard her say her last name. She was just talking to me the whole time. (laughs) Um, so she went through from the very beginning of, you know, what is the, the Desmos activity builder, um, you know, getting set up in it kind of at the very beginning kind of looked at, um, you know, how to get it to represent something that you would normally represent with, um, like manipulatives or, or something on the, on the, you know, on, on the table and how it can go from that all the way to working with graphing and, and, you know, higher level stuff like putting in formulas and the curves and seeing, and it was, it was interesting. Um, and you know, it, it went from, you know, there was, I think six different lesson lessons in here. Um, you know, how to use it, how to use and look at the library of things that are available on there, um, that other people have created or that, you know, I guess some of them Desmos has created. Yeah. And then also going into, um, pretty quickly how to build your own things, how to prepare the activities, how the um, interface, if you are running a, a live session with with students and how you can, you know, limit them to certain slides at a time. They can't go past this or they can, you know, pause them so that you need, you know, so they're not just moving on and on. You can talk to them or you can explain something to them. Um, and that was, that was interesting. I, I, I thought it was, it was interesting. I thought it was pretty neat how they, you know, you could stop them. You could pin, pin them in. I forget what they, they, what it was called, but restrict them to a, a number, a couple number of slides. Um, so they could, you know, they could work a couple slides ahead, but couldn't just burn on to the end. Um, you know, it was one of those things that I thought, man, this would, this would be cool for me to try but I don't, I don't teach a class where I can, you know, go in and try it out right away. So, um, you know, I, the whole time I was sitting there thinking about how could I make use of this, um, even if it's, you know, I'm not going to teach a math class anytime soon, but, you know, how could I use it for something else to, to, to use the tool to see some of those features? Um, and also, you know, is this something that I could then share with, people I work with, you know, I work at higher ed, higher ed settings. So, you know, they're not, most of the time, you know, instructors aren't teaching students how to, you know, really basic algebraic formulas, but I'm sure there's, there's some instances and, you know, it could be something that the education department, they're teaching people to be teachers and teaching people to go into, you know, math education. Um, It's a tool that, you know, I don't, I don't know what kind of tools they, they teach other people. I can't, I can't keep track of all those things, but it's something that, that would be interesting for me to, to share with, with some of those folks and see, um, you know, I think there are a lot of people in higher ed that are on the pulse 
of what the classroom is using and are very good at preparing students. Um, but that's not always the case. I know in, in my education as a music educator, um, there were some things that were great. This is, you know, I stepped into a classroom and I saw exactly what I expected. And there were some things that I was taught, you know, how to teach a music class from the late seventies. <laughs> and, and you walk in you're like, Whoa, that does not work at all. Yeah. Um, so I think the the more we can have, you know, have these resources and these tools and know them and share them with um, pre-service teachers. And so they have the, the new current tools that they walk into the classroom with. So I, I was very pleased. Maybe I am a, like I said earlier, I'm a technologically minded person, early adopter. Um, I kind of wish it had gone a little bit more advanced, but I think for some people, they, they couldn't have held on to go much more advanced. Yeah. There's a programming side and I forget what it's. Computation layer. Yeah. The computation layer that she talked about and she, and she did cover a few things and kind of, you know, let you know it was, it wasn't just like, yeah, that's too advanced for you, but it, I wish I had gotten to see and, and play more with that. So maybe there's another one coming that's uh, advanced. Cool. Ruth, you have anything to re- respond about that? No, just maybe that should have been one of my new things because I really need to get on Desmos and try out the computation layer. And honestly, because I'm face-to-face, I don't have that initial, like, I've got to be able to do this virtually. So I haven't been pushed that direction because yeah. I've been blessed to be able to have them here in my classroom. So, but it's definitely on my to-do list. Yeah. I feel like Desmos works so well, even in the classroom, yeah. but you have this, like the technology at your school is, seems to always be some sort of issue, you know? Yeah. Because we, so I have an access to iPads, but because the, all the students have Google classroom if you log into Desmos and someone else has already been on there, sometimes it's, you know, gets you to the end and all their answers are recorded. Yeah. So th- it's just one of those things where I'm like, yeah, this is great. Oh, but it doesn't turn out as great as you want it to be. So yeah, getting over all the hurdles is, is mm-hmm. it worth it? Yeah, And this, and I'll say that this workshop was created before COVID. Okay. You know, it was, uh, well, I, I take it back. I'm not sure, but it was created in such a way as, working with students in a classroom, like in a leading a lesson in a classroom with students who had devices. Cool. That was a lot of the, the examples and how she talked and how she talked about things. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Thanks for sharing. So I chose how to start a plan and take action against racism. And the teacher for that one was Kelly Hurst, which is who is someone that I have that I do follow on Twitter already. So that was kind of cool to you know, hear from, hear more from someone that I already read her stuff. Um, and like yours, it was broken up. My Ruth, was yours in six lessons also? Um, let me look. I think it was, yeah, go ahead. I'll find it. Yeah. So like Jay's, mine was in six lessons too. And, um, the videos were about 10 minutes long. Um, talking about why is it important, how do you start a plan, how do you take action, how do you have courageous conversations, how do we organize for change, and where do we go from here. Um, And one of the pieces of this one that was maybe different, I guess, was that it would be like a a 10-minute video that you would watch, and I really like listening to her a lot. Um, And then there would be 
reading assignments and like personal reflection after that and you you got this like um journal document that and had guiding questions and you you know it was really meant to give you a lot of time to reflect on your own where you are your own story your own practice your your experience your community um so that part was was different and and but I enjoyed the reading assignments. I enjoyed the, the thinking through it. And I, I just went back and kind of reread what I'd written in my journal, which was cool. Um, I think my two big takeaways are that – what am I trying to say? That I have a lot, a whole lot to learn, you know? I thought like, you were like, I've got a whole lot to offer. No, <laughs> that is not at all what I was going to say. It's just that, like – you know, this whole white consciousness, I've heard, I don't know if that's the right term, but like it, one, when George Floyd happened and all that, like there was this renewed awakening of white people going, oh, racism, we need to do something about this. Um, But it's been, the work has been happening for so much longer than that. And I'm just now joining in on the conversation and you know, it could be tempting to read all the and listen to the people that are new and current. Like, I'm going to be all about the people that have just published books. And that's that's where I need to learn from. But, you know, people have been writing about this and struggling towards this for, I don't know, can we say hundreds of years? Yes. <laughs> yes, decades, <laughs> hundreds of years. Um, and it's not like that isn't important anymore. What What was written 50 years ago, you know, what what's been right what's been what's being said today and written today can only be said because of what was written 50 years ago or, or more and it's easy to put what's being said today into an immediate context because we are contemporary with people that are saying it yeah. and so they can they can reference an example that we go oh yes yeah. i can i can see what you're talking about whereas 50 100 150 years ago we're not living we're not contemporary and we can't necessarily attach what they're talking to to an immediate context that we're familiar with Mm -hmm. but i think once you have you know you're able to make those connections currently you can kind of step back and look at history and what these people and and be better able to tie it together to what was going on yeah exactly so i think i think one of my takeaways is like girl you got a lot to learn and a lot to read (laughs) and not just you know the Mm -hmm. 10 books that everybody's talking about right now um one example of that is I'm going to pull it up. She talks about um, I always I'm going to read a little quote of it. I always look to the work of Josiah Royce, whose work it was made even more popularized by Dr. Martin Luther King when he talks about living in a beloved community. Um, and that whole idea of a beloved community, I've never heard of that, but I've since heard it mm-hmm. said in other even since then, I don't I don't remember what it was, podcast or something. I heard someone else refer to that and like, oh, I need to know these references that current people are talking about. So um, I was just encouraged by that. And then the second big takeaway that I had was about joining the work that's happening locally already, you know, not thinking, oh, I have to be the white savior. I have to start something new. I've got to I've got to do it. No, there's people who are already in it. Mm-hmm. here working on dismantling you know racist systems and all of that and so i need to keep my eyes wider open for what's going on right here in lynchburg right here in virginia um and i and i i found i mean i 
I mean, that's a little bit, has been a little bit on my radar, but like I found another one this week that I realize I want to know more about. Have you heard of the listening? Either one of you heard of that? Mm-mm. No. It's a, do you know of that? It's a, I don't, I don't fully grasp what, what they're, it's sort of like an artist, sort of like some sort of community of artists and, uh, but working towards this idea of anti-racism. I don't know. I need, so anyway, I've, I've learned of at least one new organization that I want to kind of figure out what they're doing and see if there's a way that I can get involved. They have an upcoming like virtual conference that I think I'm going to attend to just sort of learn more about it. Something you said just a minute ago about looking back at, at this Royce's work and how it was referred to. And then you've seen it referred to more makes me think of like, you know, in the world of academia, you know, you hear people refer to previous research and, and similar work research on this and that, and you don't quite get it. But if you step back and look at that original research that was done however many years ago, then all of the people that you have read since then, you're like, oh, yeah, I see how that connects. And it makes more contemporary research or more contemporary writing or more whatever. It makes more sense because you are you have made yourself familiar with the original work that was done that they're referring to or that they're adding on to or that they are, you know, looking at through a modern lens. And, and I think that's interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's a, that's an important way to, to better understand what's going on today. Yeah. It kind of makes, this isn't exactly the same, but it kind of makes me think of like reading the newest books that are published without having taken a look at the Vandewall book, <laughs> you know, like not that that's the end all be all, but you know, if you don't have the big idea of what you're trying to do and that's what place you can get the big idea, then all these new things are just sort of like out of nowhere. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I I feel like it it left me with some some next steps, some things to think about, and I feel like it's going to be something I'm going to keep coming back to and making connections to um, from the course. So, um, we do encourage you to check out the courses that they have there on Grassroots Workshop. Um, I just pulled it up, and there's there's a lot. There's even more than. Um, that was, we were yeah I was looking browsing the workshops today I was like man there's a there's a ton of new ones um, some of them are called the regular courses and they are much longer and more expensive and they're the ones that that's like the empowered problem exactly course. yeah um, and then then there's these mini ones that right now say that they're thirty nine dollars uh, I would say they're meant to take like three hours Ruth isn't that right for sure yeah yeah. Um, and so there's just so many choices. A lot of them are coming, going to be open in January or some of them are already open. Um, but there's just a lot of, a lot, lots of different things, not just math for sure. Lots of different things. And it does give you a certificate because sometimes you have to have that to, you know, prove you've done professional development. I don't know how that is. Yeah. In the virtual world, but I know in the state of Virginia, teachers have to have so many professional development hours to keep their um, teaching certificate valid. Yeah. So definitely that. And also there's a place to submit an evaluation. And I know that they would probably want an honest evaluation of what you think and how they could make it better because, well, Robert Kaplinsky, when he does something, he does it well. And I think he is very good about taking advice and implementing it. So I would encourage you for sure to take one of his classes and then give them a true um, evaluation on what you thought of it. I will say the one I did. Um, and I mentioned this in the evaluation that I could see where she had 
made changes. Um, one, I think she had changed the video and one, she had put like captions underneath, not, not like closed captions, but text underneath the video saying, um, in newer versions or, or in the new Desmos had changed the interface or something. And she said, you know, now this, you don't have to do this step. This is hmm. instead. So you could tell that it was, she had updated the course to reflect changes that Desmos had made in their interface and their, and their platform. Um, because being somebody who does a lot of technical and computer based and, and, you know, educational technology, professional development, um, as soon as you've prepared all this stuff for people to teach them how to do something, and then that company changes what it looks like or changes the word on a button or puts the button on the other side of the screen, and you just want to throw your hands up and walk away. <laughs> um, but she did a good job at, at you know, referencing that or, or updating things so that it wasn't just, you know, this is Desmos Activity Builder in the beginning of 2020. And if it's after that, you know, yeah. figure it out. Yeah, mine, I could tell, had been made since the pandemic started because mm. she referenced that. So that they're fresh. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to say is that you ha- you keep access to the course material for a while. Yeah. Um, it's not indefinite, but you there's I don't know six months long. I don't know exactly how much three months. Some so you can refer back to what you've already looked at. All right. So anybody else got anything to add about that? I don't think no. so. I think it's time for takeaways. Okay. So we're look- Yep. You got a takeaway. Um, I do have a takeaway. It's kind of one of the things I said at the beginning, but I'm going to go to that Mathagon website. (laughs) (laughs) Except this time, maybe she really will. Yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely what I'm, where I'm headed. And I know I've got to go back and check out Desmos because it does work well for the kids to do at home. If there was a homework assignment, when everyone's logging into their own stuff, Desmos works well in Google Classroom. So. Yep. Mine, mine is just keep reading. I'm going to, I'm going to say that as my takeaway. Cause then maybe I'll keep doing it. Right. Keep reading. Right. <laughs> How about you, Jay Prophet? I have thought about, and part of this is going back to, you know, <clears throat> making this podcast and then starting to work on other podcasts. I realize how much I get, you know, I've learned a lot from having to learn a lot of math from having to listen to us, listen to you talk. No, to, to, to be part of this podcast, I've picked up some, because I didn't know what you're talking about or picked up some just because, you know, listening to you explain sounds like, oh, I never learned that way. That makes a lot of sense. And recently I realized how much I've learned from other podcasts that I listen to. You know, sure, I'll listen to a podcast. And, oh, I want to I wanna listen to another episode of that. I might learn something. But honestly, sometimes it's just I like this dude talks about cool stuff that is interesting and I want to listen to him talk about it. But I have learned a lot and I've um, and I have recognized recently you know, how much I have gotten from, you know, other people that have done the same thing, been passionate about something so much so that they decide to talk about it so that other people can hear it. Um, and I think it's, it's been, in, I have started to realize that partly from other friends of mine that I've talked to about podcast ideas and like, Oh, podcast. One of my friends, I was like, well, how do I, how do I listen to a podcast? <laughs> I'm like, how do you, what? Welcome to 2021. Like, I'll put an envelope <laughs> and mail it to you. Um, <laughs> I'll fax it over. Anyway, I just like some people aren't even in this, aren't even in this area. And that's not bad. I'm not saying that's that they're behind or that they're deficient. Um, I just realized because I have been so much in the world of of podcasting as a, as a consumer, as a creator. um, 
and I realize how much I have learned and, and, and gained from this experience with you guys, but also listen to other podcasts. Awesome. All right. Well, we appreciate you showing up to listen every week or three weeks that we put one out (laughs) and um, let us know what you're up to, what you're, what you're learning. Maybe if you've had a listen, if you've taken a grassroots workshop or you're planning to, let us hear about that. Yeah. And uh, Ruth, want to run tomorrow? Tomorrow we shall. All right. See you on a run. 